coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 17th day of July, 2022. What must I do to be saved? Last several weeks, we have been looking at the fruit of the Spirit found in that passage in Galatians chapter 5. We're going off on a completely different tangent today. I got to be thinking about a topic the Lord keeps bringing up to my mind again and again and again. And so I thought I'd see what, where my study would take me. It was a question that I've had, and I don't know if you've ever had it, but um, before I get to that question, I'm going to put my, the Sunday school class on the spot. Okay? So, those are the ones that right now are getting up and leaving. <laughs> but, Scripture tells us that we're to glorify God by doing two things. What is one of the things that we're supposed to do? Edify or build up the body of Christ. What's the other one? Evangelize. Okay, you guys all pass. Evangelize and edify, okay? With those two things in mind, you would think that one of the essential things that we would find in Scripture would be a declaration of how to be saved. If you look in, in our bulletin, you will see sort of an outline of the gospel there. We print it every week. Um, down on the bottom left hand, a right hand side of the bulletin, there's sort of that little outline of what it means to put your trust in, in Jesus Christ. But the question that has always been to me is, why isn't this all over the place in, in Scripture? Why isn't there a nice little outline to follow? Why isn't there something... There, there, you can just say, turn to this passage, read this passage, and it will show you step by step how to get saved. Maybe that's a little naive on my part, but. So I asked the question, and this was the question. What must I do to be saved? What does it say in scripture? Well, obviously, I didn't have time to go through 66 books this week. So I picked the Gospel of John. I figured John would be able to say something about it. And I started looking at phrases that Scripture records over and over again that talk about those that become either a child of God or are given eternal life. And then what was the predecessor to that? What led into a person having eternal life or becoming a child of God. What did scripture say about that? I wouldn't say that I was shocked, but I was surprised. Because, first of all, the statement that I'm going to share with you is repeated 
over and over and over and over again. I asked my son-in-law yesterday, what do you think that John says we need to do to get saved? What, what does it say that we have to do? And actually, the answer overwhelmingly in Scripture is this phrase. And I'm not going to tell you what it is just yet. <laughs> we know that Scripture talks about to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. Uh, in other places, it talks about, like in John 10, um, those that hear my voice uh, and follow me, those are what. But the overwhelming phrase that is used throughout the Gospel of John is very simply put this way. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus Christ. And you go, that sort of grates against me. And the reason it grates against me is because I want to be much fuller than that. <laughs> I want some more meat on this rather than just believe. But over and over again, it says you can believe in Jesus Christ. What must I do to be saved? Believe in him. Believe in the Son of God. Believe over and over and over again. I almost printed out my printout of all the passages in the Gospel of John, but you didn't want to take home four or five pages of that. You can look it up yourself. But I, I looked at that and I go, how simple is that? Believe in Jesus Christ. And then, of course, a verse popped into my mind, and that was from James Chapter 2 in verse 19, it says, You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And you go, wait a minute. You said the way to eternal life is through belief, and yet even the demons believe. What's the difference? Why, why those two things would be even related. So let me give you uh, a working definition of not what belief is, but what does it mean to be saved. Believing means receiving Jesus Christ as he revealed himself. Okay? Now Satan doesn't accept Jesus Christ as who he really is. Doesn't receive him, doesn't make him the Lord of his life, doesn't identify him as God in his life. That's why he can believe, make mental assent about who Jesus is, but he is not redeemed, is not saved. Why? Because he's not accepting the reality that goes with it. I invite you to take a little bit. I'm going to skip through some of John here and point out some, some points. But let's go to the very first chapter 
John doesn't leave us hanging very long before he tells us the core of this truth. In John chapter 1, we have, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And we get down to verse 14, and we know who the Word is because it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So there's a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. He is the one of a kind, the only Son of the Father, and He's full of grace and truth. And if we are going to be believers, we have to come to the realization that those things are true, accept those things, receive them. Scripture uses the word receive them and take them as our own. But in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, this is what he says. He came to his own, his own did not accept him. He says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but as of God, and the word became flesh, dwelt among us, we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Over and over, the call goes out. Do you believe me? Jesus, believe in me. Believe me. And you go, well, that's such a simple thing. Is it? Is it? Here was a man standing in front of the people of his day, walking and talking and eating food, sleeping at night, those kind of things. And what does he say? I'm not only from God, I am God. And you believe it? Oh, that's a pretty tough one. Now, if I, if I said things like that, you would go, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, Jesus said them, and he got the same kind of reaction. Some people saw him and go, but isn't he Joseph's son? Wasn't he, didn't he come from Nazareth? Didn't, and of course he didn't, came from Bethlehem, but you go, why, why should I believe him? Why should I come to fully accept the reality of how he is presenting himself as the son of God the living God. How can I do that? And scripture puts it. Believe him. Believe him. Put your trust in him. Believe what he says. Believe how he's revealed himself. And you go, well, I don't know. Shouldn't I have like confession of sin and repentance and and I don't have any problem with that. And I was thinking about that, and I'm going to give you an illustration. You may or may not like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. You have your hymn book? 
Okay, you don't have to turn to any page. What color is the pages? They're white, right? I don't care if it's upside down. What color is the pages, I asked. What color is the page? Is it? Oh, pretty close to white. So this is whiter than this? What's the point, Pastor? When a person got close to Jesus Christ, they may have seen themselves as good and white. They got close to Jesus Christ and they saw that they weren't. So when we come in and it says believe in Jesus Christ, it's to accept the revelation of who he was and in the process of accepting that revelation of who he was, it was going to have some impact on a person's life. One of my favorite stories found in John chapter 9. If you turn there with me, John chapter 9, trying to keep in, in the gospel of John here a little bit. Jesus is in Jerusalem and he passes by, uh, coming out of the temple, passes by a man who's been blind from birth. And you may remember the story. The disciples asked the question and they said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, on, on the very... The very speaking of the words, it doesn't make sense. Because you go, is this man blind? And he's been blind from birth. Is this man blind because of some sin that his parents did that caused God to bring judgment down on this man and cause him to be blind? Or was he born blind because of some sin? And you go, well, wait a minute what sin would he do in the womb that would cause him to be blind? And so the whole notion of it is nonsense. But that was sort of the thought of the day. If something goes wrong, something is bad, it must have been something that you did in your past that caused that. And that's why God has wreaked out some sort of judgment on you. And so they asked the question, and Jesus said, it wasn't this man's sin or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And what we have is a great revelation. Jesus is about to heal this man. And he says, why is he here beside the path coming out of the temple? Well, as a blind man, he couldn't enter the temple because he wasn't whole. Why is he sitting here? Jesus said, He's here, and he's blind from birth. Are you ready for this? You won't like it. So I can make a point when you ask this question. Whoa. It says, what, what's the point? He goes, he says, this, it wasn't because this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And he talks about being the light of the world. 
And he anointed the man's eyes with some mud and said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so he went and washed, and he came back seeing. Well, the rest of this story goes on that he is challenged. Was he really the same guy that was blind? Because obviously he can see now, so it can't be really the same guy. Yes, I think he is. He's wearing the same clothes that he always wears. Yes, he must be. And there's a lot of debate going on, you know, how that goes. All you have to do is go on Facebook and you can see all that kind of banter back and forth. And he goes, oh yeah, it is. And others go, no, 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 it can't be. And so they brought him to the Pharisees to figure out what the situation was. Pharisees ask him what happened. He tells about Jesus putting mud on his eyes, telling him to go wash. And when he did, he came back clean. And they go, no, that can't be. That isn't the way this thing works. And they start to challenge him. And the reason they challenge him is because they didn't want a miracle done. But Jesus had done the miracle. And so they call his parents and they said, so was this guy really born blind? And they go, yeah, he is. He says, well, how, did, how in the world did he become able to see? And the, and the parents go, I don't know, we weren't there. <laughs> Ask him, he's, he's, he's full grown. Ask him what happened. So they turned to the guy again and said, what happened? And he tells them again, he says, did you want me to repeat the story so that you could believe? And they didn't take that kindly. And so they say, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. And they cast him out. They kicked him out. <laughs> Finally, he has an opportunity to enter the temple as a whole being. And they go, get out of here. You didn't want your kind around here. You were born in sin. And Jesus had already told his disciples, it wasn't because of sin that he was born blind. But I want you to look down to verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? A simple question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He didn't say, did you repent of your sins? Did you confess them? Did you? He says, do you believe? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And we see in John chapter 9 that if it's true that we receive Jesus as he revealed himself, a person who is a believer, a Jesus Christ then, is who a believer worships. That's going to be the response of belief. If they come to see who Jesus Christ is, this man, when he says, show me who this person is, that healed me, that I might believe. And when he did, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped. 
we go into John chapter 10, and here's a great uh, story as Jesus tells it about the good shepherd. And we get a couple points out of John chapter 10. And this one is found in verse 13 through 16. He's talking about good sheep, those that are followers of the shepherd, the good shepherd. In verse 13, he's talking about a hired hand, not a shepherd. And he says, he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay my life down for the sheep. And he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So Jesus Christ is who a believer listens to. Doesn't ignore him, doesn't pass him off, doesn't say, You're, what you have to say is unimportant. He says, my sheep will listen to me. And continuing on with that theme in the same chapter, we get down to uh, verse 27, and you go, well, back up a little bit. Jesus said, I told you, and you do not believe. He was talking to the Jews around there, around him. He said, they asked a question. He says, how long will you keep us in suspense? Verse 24, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. <laughs> well, he's been doing that right along, but Jesus answered them and said, I told you, and you do not believe. They said, will you tell us plainly? And he goes, I have. The problem is not that I haven't told you plainly. It's the problem that you have not believed. He says, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep... Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And we have another point about what a believer does. It says, Jesus Christ is who a believer follows. Not only listens to his voice, but follows him. Like I said, we could go into multiple passages in the Gospel of John with this theme underscored believe in Jesus Christ. But I'll take you to another one. John chapter 16. You have this portion memorized because we already preached through the upper room discords. Okay, maybe not. We can review. Okay? And in verse 27, Jesus talking with his disciples, and he says in, in verse 26 first, he says, In that day you will ask of my name, and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself 
loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. A believer believes that Jesus came from God and loves him. And if you start looking down through some of these these terms that are used concerning a believer, you can see how Jesus is distinguishing between Satan and his cohorts over here who believe that there is a God and reject him and those who believe in Jesus and worship him. He says, he says, you have loved me and believed that I came from the Father. believer then is going to one is going to want to know him want to be with him wants to enjoy him wants to follow him wants to celebrate him and John succinctly says all that flows out of that statement believe in him Take a person that you know and trust. And you say, if you say that you believe that person, you're not just going to say, I believe that he, is a, he or she is an entity. But rather, he or she is the embodiment of all those things that I put my hope and trust in. I trust them in their word. I trust them for who they are. I trust them for what they say they will do. They do. Where they go is worth going. And Jesus said, and John records over and over again, believe. Believe in me. Believe in me. It's interesting that we get to the the crucifixion and uh, I I didn't really appreciate it as much as I did this week in thinking about the thief on the cross when he said, what are you railing on, on Jesus about? He says, we're sinners. We we know what we've done. We know why we're here. And then he turns to see Jesus and said, remember me. And you go, well, isn't he going to confess his sin? Isn't he going to repent? And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. And you go, wait, 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 that's too short. It should be more spelled out. No. Because the thief on the cross saw him for who he was and saw himself in light of that, remember our white sheet of paper, and said, remember me. And Jesus said, got it. For all those that just have to do something I love this passage. 
And it's another one of the passages in the Gospel of John that talks about this very topic. In John chapter 6, Jesus has been talking and uh, he had just performed the miracle, crossed over the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They come and search him out and they're looking for another handout. And in the midst of the conversation, Jesus is talking about, um, don't worry about the food that perishes, but endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Literally, the question is, how do we get right with God? What must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. That's it. Believe in him. Believe in him. And all that entails. I love the fact that John, in writing this epistle, or this this gospel, excuse me, uh, has a summary passage right at the end, obviously, of, of the gospel. And as a pastor, I found that the gospel of John, in some respects, is very hard to preach through. One of the reasons is this. You say, would you stop that? And what John does is he continue, continues to hammer the idea you must believe. You must believe. So it doesn't matter what story you go to in the gospel, whether it is Nicodemus at night, whether it is uh, he's talking about my sheep, hear my voice. Whatever it is in the Gospel of John, time and time again, he comes back and he says, you must believe. You must believe. And in John chapter 20, we have these summary verses. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. And here's the summary verse. But these are written so that you may What's our word? Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's it. So the question is, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Sometimes I'm criticized, politely, kindly, I think. At least I'm going to take it that way. Why don't you have an invitation every Sunday? Why didn't you invite people to come forward and believe? Well, first of all, I don't see that happening much in Scripture. But the invitation to believe is always there. But that having been said, 
If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, hopefully we've given you some instruction as to what it means to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it comes by way of belief. If you'd like to talk to me after this service and talk more about this and you want to be settled in your heart and mind, I would be happy to talk to you about it. And for those who are watching on video and might be in other parts of the world, it's as simple as what we've gone through. Believe in Jesus Christ. And you'll have eternal life. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, it's simple and profound. Jesus Christ came and revealed the character and nature, his character and nature and nature of his Father. And when we look into the Gospels, we see men and women, boys and girls, thrown up against and contrasted to the character and nature of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus calls them to believe in him in order to have everlasting life. And it can be as simple in our life as the thief on the cross who sees all those things clearly and puts his hope and trust and belief in Jesus Christ and has everlasting life. That is the truth that the Gospels are riddled with. And we give thanks for it. In Jesus' name.